What are you anticipating seeing you know, amongst the New Zealand teams, given you've, you've given all that about the All Blacks? Oh, just so many good young players, mate. I don't know how you do it there. No, I do, because you've got three of the biggest uh, academies in the world. Fiji, Samara and Tonga. We're not bad. We were waiting for it. I was waiting for it. To another episode of Drop Kickoff. Uh, it's me as always, uh, Nick, and I'm here with Nick. And uh, live from Leon, it's uh, Nathan Williamson. Uh, Nathan, how you going? How's bloody France going for you? I think that sounds like a great talk show name. It's live from Leon. It's Nathan yeah. Williamson. <laughs> Williamson. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, crying into your escargot. Pretty much. I've, I've been able to kind of sleep. Sleep last night result off. You know, woken up. Already had another press conference with Eddie, where he's kind of turned the flags to Wales and trying to move on. But yeah, it's a it's one of the tougher ones from a fan's perspective. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. You had to write up a report about this. Um, what um, I guess what was your angle, and Nathan? What are your kind of boiled down thoughts of this game? I think it's it's one of those ones. They were just they were just better than us in pretty much every aspect. Like, they smacked us in the backs. They're, they were winning scrum penalties. They were beating us at the breakdown to turnovers. Like, I think they got about half a dozen steals there. Somewhere we, we you know, have dominated in the past. Um, they took, they kicked their goals when it was there. You know, any penalty inside the 50, they just nailed. Um, they were, yeah, and didn't give away that many penalties. Um as, as compared to our, I think, 18 on the day. Um, yeah, they were just better than us. I mean, just ne- from an Australian perspective, they just never really got going. There was no real continual phase play that's built pressure. They just again, they just seemed off. They seemed off and were made to pay by a Fiji side that's coming into its prime. And yeah, it's I one of those ones... It's a very familiar feeling. We're just kind of sitting back, going, "I don't, don't have the answers. I don't know what the hell happened." <laughs> but now it's, but yeah, now it's about figuring out a way before Wales. Um, yeah, look, well, I guess we'll talk about that no answers part. We'll just kind of focus on the game for the moment. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think everything you just said there. I think key point the way I saw it was that um, the real frustrating thing is that just we never seem to fire a shot. Um, until the last 20 minutes, but I guess we'll, we'll kind of move on to that. Um, actually, actually, we'll talk about it now. Um, yeah, I kind of felt that we were just kind of under the pump. First 20 minutes, we're still kind of in there. Fiji were better, but they weren't um, on top of us. It was very kind of European style, actually. Um, of course, Australia scored two tries, so one more try than Fiji. Who, who would have thought we would have lost to Fiji? Like, we're playing England, where they just scored the penalties. Um, and controlled the game, and we didn't. Um, but I thought, look, that last 20 minutes we had was pretty good, actually probably between 60 and 70, um, when definitely when there was that obvious change with uh, scrum half. But, yeah, I, th- I thought it was it was kind of weird. Like, we almost could have won it, um, but it was that ruck penalty thing. Um, I'm not really sure. Like, it's it's hard to say that it was referee, but... I feel that uh, you know they got a second on the ball and that'd been the penalty. Um, but uh, Nick, I'm not sure if you watched this live. Did you 
have any, any kind of takeaways that Nathan and I hadn't touched on from this, just to, how the match played out? Certainly did watch this live at 1.45 in the morning because um, I, I had to work at, at 4.30, so I figured, ah, stuff it, let's, let's watch it and see how we go. And, oh, God, I mean, I, I'm glad that we are, we're talking about positives of it because, again, that last half an hour was quite positive, but... Oh, just it seemed like in the build-up to this game, we kind of been. And Nathan and I were talking a little bit about this before we started recording. Just it was clear that whatever the 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 associate staff or the you know Eddie and his team had, there was clearly a plan in place or something in place. And whatever they had planned in place, if it just, I don't know what they were thinking with some of the tactics and strategy, uh, particularly for that that opening 50 minutes. Um, and because Fiji were just out enthusing, out, out playing, out in... Um, and I actually thought, you know, that, that their decision to attack the ruck was actually a brilliant idea. And then things like the scrum... I was uh, the the scrum and how well the Fijians performed at set piece was not lost on me when I saw um, when I saw them perform against Wales and and hold their own and concede, you know, and and not get pushed around by that Welsh scrum. Uh, it was, yeah, it it just felt ad hoc. It felt like an ad hoc performance. It felt like there was no planning in place, and boy, you you suffered the results of it because. They lost. Yeah, they sure did. Nathan, I guess I just go back to you. Um, in terms of like performance and the pieces, I think the lineup was the only thing that worked for us. Nothing else seemed to work. Um, do you have any other kind of thoughts on the players? I'll just throw a couple names out here: Nick White, uh, Angus Bell, uh, my favourite, Ben Donaldson. Uh, I agree with you there. And the, the, your first comment about the lineup, I think we stole three or four. So you know, Nick Fro- I think I thought Nick Frost and Philip were great in that area. Um, yeah, I, Nick White's 50-22 was great. His only good kick I can remember from the game, like there was four or five where they made half breaks and thought the best way to, instead of take, take the game on, try and score, try and produce something out of it, it was a conservative, let's put the grubber behind and say what happens. It ends up just coming back from a scrum and you, you've almost wasted a, the limited opportunities we had. So I think that was quite poor, but I don't think it's been touched on enough. Um, yeah, Donald, I'd say, Bell, in terms of his carries, Bell's, Bell was solid. And again, leaves a bit, bit to desire with scrummaging, from, but that's a, an entire type five issue right there. Um, I thought Donaldson, when he came to 10, the attack looked better. Um, I, th- yeah, I think Carter, yeah. Carter yeah, looked good. That. I would mm. say Carter looked, looked good when he took the ball on, but he got smacked. This was mm. a welcome to Fijian rugby. Um, you're going to donate two or three ribs and you're going to like it type deal from the Fijians. They just came out and just tried to smack the living daylights out of him and it worked. Um, so you've got questions around what to do to do there for Wales, but yeah, I'm, I, I don't know how much of that was just a, we were chasing the game and, and naturally you have to be a lot more attack orientated, not kicking the ball away, keeping the ball in hand, and that's when we look the best. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like just <laughs> the, the execution of this, the, the entire strategy just didn't work. And Fiji yeah. executed this perfectly. 
You sound the most unsure that you've ever been, Nathan. Um, I'm not sure if you're tired or <laughs> what's going on, but yeah. Um... Honestly, no, I, I just, I, I don't know. That's probably, it's probably a bit of both. And it's just, I, I, how do you, how can you go into this game against Wales? I've, I've said this again. i said this a couple of times this year, but going into Wales, you try and stay confident. You try and stay positive that, you know, a must-win game, they're going to put it together and really kind of come out firing. But, yeah, it's just it, just nothing looked, looked on this weekend. And I don't think I'm going to go into a game less confident than I will against Wales from a fan's <laughs> perspective. It, it's because it's real now. It's real now. You, you, like, I think we all... It's the subject and the topic that we, we always uh, try and dance around and, and commenters have, have given us crap about not being positive about Australian rugby. But let's take this into consideration. It was 69 years ago that, that the last time that Fiji was able to pull something like this off. My dad was in single digits when they last won a, won a game hit like this. That's insane. Like, that's insane. We were barely even, we were barely a glint in our, in our, like, we weren't even thought of the last time, like, all three of us, when the last time that Fiji pulled this off. It's real now. We're staring down the barrel of a, I think, you know, we often talk about what's the low point, what's the rock bottom. Um, there was the Wales loss in 2018, which was really bad, and then, uh, under Checker, and then I think probably the low point for Rennie was the 2022 loss under um, under under uh, to Italy. Like this campaign so far, I mean this lot, the start of this loss, this this loss right here, and and could potentially and potentially the 2023 campaign, depending on how things go against Wales. This is rock. I think this is, is, is the rock bottom. If they don't pull a performance together against Wales, then we are out in pool stages, something that has never happened to the Wallabies before. This would be rock bottom. And there would have to be a lot of questions and a lot of accountability for the conduct of, of, the gov- of our governing body and what they've done to put us in this position. It's real now. And I don't blame you for feeling unsure, Nathan, because... Uh, it's it's our job to try and put a spin on it. How do you put a spin on this? How how do you put a spin on this? I, I think the the unsure part for me is now. Yeah, you said it is that the, you've summed up perfectly. It is real, and you now start thinking, what happens if you do get beat by Wales? And the only word that comes to mind is anarchy. That's what we're going to be faced with, because the reality is, how you know, there's always been that shining light. If we're, if we're out in the pool stages, we're already fighting an uphill battle. We're already, you know, trying to rebound after years of poor performances and the NRL and AFL and all those rising. As a code, how do you bounce back from group stages? How do you bounce back from this all? You know, this was the clean slate, and the clean slate is all of a sudden potentially could say us out in the group stages. Like, I... I it's a dirty brick. To, it's no, not a clean no. slate. It's a dirty brick to the face is what I, it is. <sighs> Um, so, look, if, yeah, okay, look, we'll get into this. I just kind of re- want to return to, I guess, actually, I've got a lot of nebulous thoughts. Donaldson is a key part of it, and it's not really directed at him or anything. But so I guess we're going to talk about looking at it and the state. I kind of reject the idea that we're looking at it 
And the reason why I reject that idea is because, as you alluded to there, there's this idea, Nathan, that we've got this, this wipe this clean slate. I, I remember a couple of, of weeks ago, I kind of criticised this column written by Ian Payton about, oh, um, Eddie Jones, uh, he, that was like the angle, like Eddie Jones is the saviour, isn't he? And the reason why I kind of criticised that was because, uh, as Nick said, you got to put the spin on it, but the, the spin is always, this is the next silver bullet. And I don't know whether this is harsh as like a community responding to something. Do we always need that silver bullet? But we always focus on the silver bullet. And it's so clear that the issues with Australian rugby are endemic. The other issues are that we might have just had a golden period. You know, for example, Uruguay won the Soccer World Cup twice, uh, but back in the 1930s when, you know, eight teams were playing it. Maybe that's where we are and that's where we will always be. And as Australians, we struggle with not being excellent at things. Uh, but case in point, I guess, look at the cricket team as well. You know, they won the Cricket World Test Championship. They drew an uh, Ashes series in England. Um, and yet that's not good enough. We expect them to win. And I feel that, you know, like we just we just aren't there. But but the and that that's just going to happen to us. Maybe maybe that's what we have to react to. Um, maybe nothing. Maybe we'll always be like this because Sydney and Brisbane are a thousand kilometers apart, and being a thousand kilometers apart from our two biggest centres means that there's going to be this tribalism that we can never overcome. We can't centralise in the same way that let's say in New Zealand, Auckland is so much bigger than anyone else. It can just dictate to everyone else. Um, but I kind of reject that, though. I just don't. I, I don't see it like as the end. And it's not everything is over. Really, what's happened is that we had another shit fucking game, like where we didn't have a game plan. Uh, we had poor executions. We had poor. Uh, we didn't manage the game properly. So they kept pilfering the ball, and we didn't respond to that. Nathan, I'm sure you could probably remember as well. Like they had that two on one on the right hand side. And they still went into the ruck, and no one supported them, and they got a turnover. Um, we kept winning the line out, then losing the turnover. And it's that is the endemic issue. And I kind of feel that it's inescapable at the moment. We always have these games. We had them under Checker a lot. We had them under Dave Rennie a couple of times. And I think that it, there, there is something rotten in the core that's always there. Thoughts, so Nathan? Or Nick, what is it? Where do we start? Yeah, that's yeah, that's well, the like, problem. Yeah, I don't think this team is a, a, a like. I don't think that, and maybe this is the reason why we've, uh, you know, a lot of rusted on fans have, you know, stuck with Dave Rennie or and stuck with that period of time because this is a like you don't need to have tuppence worth of brains to to realise that this is actually the the, the boys in this squad are genuinely talented players. They're genuinely talented athletes. And there's a lot, there is a lot of, of potential there. Like, there is no denying that. But what the problem is, is that this, and I think this leans in, you, you kind of touch on it a few, you touched on a couple of good points there, Nick, but I feel like the the <clears throat> the big ones are kind of the issue that, that Where's the rugby brains in that? If you have your rugby brains, it's a case of looking in front of you and seeing, for example, that you've got the 2-1 overlap on the side there or things like that, making them think like 
rugby and there's there's a disconnect a clear 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 disconnect between the actual discussion or you know them being the athlete and their incredible athletic ability they can match up physically they can match up in a game like that and then actually playing the game of rugby in a smart way it's it's all tactics i mean you only have to look at games like the england argentina match england won that game with a with uh, with a numerical with like one player down why tactics tactics and approach to the match and Argentina shat the bed and freaked out because they didn't know what to do there is a clear disconnect here maybe it comes from the fact of the team doesn't know how to the team's forgotten how to win maybe it comes from the fact that really Australian rugby is driven by the success of the Wallabies and that if the Wallabies don't win then the game is in then it affects everything in the game hugely and and, and maybe there's a pressure element to that as well whatever it is there's a clear systemic issue and I don't think you can't lay the fault of this at the players on the field even though they are the ones that were executing it there was clearly some other sort forms of strategy and stuff here that also impacted that result yeah, it's, Nathan, it's, what do you think it's one of those ones I tend to agree that we had these type of performances under we seem to have them under each coach and like let's I, I, in, the, in these moments, I'd, I'd like to try and stay positive. And it's, it's this idea of if we can get past Wales, who, again, are ironically having similar problems, maybe more systemic problems given all the stuff that's come out of them in the past six months around their sort of governance and everything, you know, players retiring, all that sort of stuff, yet still playing club football. It's, uh, this is, let's not get this wrong. This is still, there's still a, Gateway to the quarterfinals, if we can put it all together against Wales. And maybe this is what we need. Maybe, you know, we got comfortable against Fiji after that win against Georgia. A game, you know, we went to Georgia needing to win. Fiji, you kind of went in going, we just, if you win one out two, our next two, we'll be set. This is now must win. And maybe this is the stage we need. Maybe this is the stage Eddie needs in terms to, to you know, formulate the master game plan and take out Wales. But, yeah, I, I just think it's it's one of those ones it feels like this World Cup has just is just going to be sacrificed for 27. The problem is France did that in 19 and still made a quarterfinal. Probably unlucky to not make the semis if not for a, you know, brain explosion red card. Can we say we're building for a World Cup in 27 if we get knocked out in the group stages? I don't know. It's, yeah, it's... This might be one of the most important weeks that we have in Australian rugby coming up. Yeah, it, it definitely... The, so this whole... Uh, a lot, and a lot of people, you know, you want to win. Um, Eddie said, look, you know, the five games before the World Cup that we all lost doesn't matter. Um, I, I, by the way, I felt this game was kind of like one of those early games. We were that listless. But I... Um, yeah, I, 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 it's... How do you balance that? And it's that passing of the buck bullshit that will start happening. Which always happens, you know. Oh, we wouldn't have lost if we hadn't put more money into grassroots. Well, that's impossible to prove if that would work or not. It's all just posturing political bullshit. Um, but sorry, I just wanted to, 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 if you just go back to the game for one second. So, there are a couple of things you kind of go, fuck, you know, Eddie, that was kind of dumb. Why'd you do that? Okay, well, and I've actually said to you guys before, Eddie's made this change. Big changes. People want change. Eddie makes changes. People go, no, not that kind of change. Not that kind of rip it up and start again change that we were asking for. You've done it the wrong way. And so part of that was you got rid of like Foley and, and Quaid 
haven't played. Uh, and you kind of feel in this game, Carter Gordon got smashed, didn't really take control of the game. He got taken off. Donaldson got put in charge. Um, and we were a lot better. But rewind back a bit. Donaldson got put in charge. Who, like, the dude is, how old is it? 21, 22? He's like 25. Played. Really? Donaldson, yeah? yeah. Oh, okay, damn. Well, he's played really well. But he was absolute crap for the Waratahs um, this year. Like, how does that happen from him being crap for the Waratahs in an easy competition to being one of the Wallabies' best players? Like, it just doesn't make sense in any way, but it keeps happening. And we, we just have none of that consistency, which goes to that game. We have no consistency. We don't know what we're doing. I'd, I'd I don't, make... is, that, is that something worth investigating? I'd make the argument that he had that that it, I mean we say that Eddie's changed a lot, but I'd make the argument he's made the exact same mistake that a lot of previous coaches have, which is clean up. Not picking enough brumbies. Well, I mean, of course, there's that, but you know, I'm biased. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but like uh, cleaning out shop, um, and then picking a whole bunch of new guys. When I was watching. I mean, I, I found the decision, for example, with Carter Gordon to pull him at the 50th minute to be a very bizarre one. Yes, we weren't playing very well, but uh, he's your only picked fly half in the squad. And you're pulling him in the 50th minute, which is which is very bizarre to me. Uh, and I just... and. I mean, I've heard some other discourse, you know, in the in the day in the last couple of you know hours covering it. I mean, every single person and his cat is blowing up about about it here in Australia at the moment. And I just realised to myself, so everyone's saying, "Oh, Donaldson's good. Oh, Donaldson's good. We're going to pick Donaldson. Uh, he'll be the next ten. Uh, and I was just thinking to myself, so is Carter going to go the way of Noel Alessio? Is he going to go the way of? <laughs> of Quade Cooper when Quade Cooper was a lot younger? Is he going to go the way of all those other fly halves that we've had who have shown promise and potential? I mean, didn't, weren't we talking about Ben Donaldson in, in last year in the game against Wales and saying he was absolutely shocked, shocking and he shouldn't be let anywhere near a Wallabies jersey again? Uh, I think it's... I think it was Italy and he missed the penalty at the end. No, that's right. Thank you. Um, appreciate that correction. But just... I think by trying to do all of these changes and things like that, it's 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 the same. We've been down this road before. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a self-inflicted injury of our own making. It's a it's a it's. I think what's the the, the story of is it Prometheus, the guy who has to who has to relive the same torture uh, over and over Sisyphus. again. Sisyphus. 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 Well, in answer to the well, here we go. In answer to you know. J- Robert Oppenheimer, if we're going to get, use a reference, was was American Prometheus. Australian rugby is Australian Sisyphus. That's what it is right now. It's just it's the same shit over and over, the same story over and over, um, and it feels like some sort of purgatory. <laughs> That's what it feels like I'm, right now. I've I've said this in the past. It feels like someone cursed us for twenty years after you know the golden years that we had. Someone made a deal with the devil, and we're still paying it back. But and it's one of those ones. You've got to. The reality is, when results don't go your way, you've got to keep trying different things. You got to, you know, you keep trying to try and find something different, do something different. But that, you guys are right. It ends up with the same result, and that's the frustrating thing. It's just 
you know, I, I, I think Carter, had, and going back to kind of the original point, I think Carter had to come off. It was just one of those nights for him that it just... Yeah, I agree. He just wasn't in nah, it. Just nothing went his way. Like, even when he was, you know, try to take the line on and make half breaks, just, you know, the, the right angle it. of attack would come and knock him on. Like, it just, it, you have to try something different. But then, the, then I asked the then the t- the question of tactics comes back in again, and also squad selection. So, surely you'd have someone like, um, like it would be a moment like that if you're going to have to bring Carter Gordon off, which is a realistic scenario, um, and you move Donaldson to, to ten or something. Surely, therefore, it makes sense to have someone like an Andrew Kellaway in your twenty-three. So no, where is this? Is this is someone like, like an thing, experienced like you head? Can talk about so. Look, a coach is going to have a strategy and a coach is going to make choices that people don't want. But the strategy is kind of clear. Now, this is a kind of another frustration that I've got that no one except for Squidge is talking about the strategy and actually trying to unpack what it is. A lot of it is just bluster or a lot of it is kind of lowest common denominator stuff that doesn't mean anything. I have no idea. Squidge is the closest thing to telling us the idea of what he wants. Now, look, he's not, like, I, we kind of go, oh, he doesn't have another fly half. But, like, the other thing, you could say the positive is he's putting his trust in those fly halves. Uh, obviously, there's an injury issue that is obvious to us all, but that's, like, what he's trying to do. Same with Vunavalu, you know? There's, when you watch Vunavalu, he, he's actually played fairly well um, in his games. Like, he scored the try, he was impactful. But you know, that, that's what I'm trying to get at, like, People want change, people want purpose, people want a plan. And he's got a plan, but people seem, people, Australian rugby fans, often seem too stupid to interpret it. Or, I don't know, and maybe, you know, having a go at the media here, no one's really unpacking it for us. That, I think you know, like, we, we, want, we want to see results. And that was the idea, the whole idea behind this was to deliver results. Like, this isn't a building year, this is a World Cup. It's you a want to see crap. results and you want, yeah. This, this is the whole thing. This was supposed to be, you know, we're in fed the idea that this, you know, this is a team that can win a World Cup. So people get behind that and go, yes, this, you know, we can, we can win a World Cup. We can, this is the wave of the future. Give it to these young kids. We're one in six. Yeah, well, that's, okay, but that's, 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 that's good. That's, like, that's a strong kind of editorial line. And I'm not saying like you, Nathan, and what I mean in particular, but that you haven't got someone who is trying to figure that out. I'm not sure you could, maybe you could actually go, this is what he's trying to do tactically and all that. Let's look at the stats, blah, blah, blah. But I wish there was someone was and was trying to explain why he's doing that. You know, just explain why. You don't have to agree with it. You know what I mean? I, I, I 100% got what you mean, yeah. It's just trying to understand. But uh, yeah, I'm still trying to personally understand what the strategy was for Fiji. Yeah, I feel, I, that's... Yeah, that, that's... Well, there that's, was none. I'm no, thinking, obviously, that there was no evident one, was there? Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm sitting right now in, in, in response to this. Like, I, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. I agree with you, Nick, that, that, that there, is, there is... I have no doubt that, rug, that Eddie has the rugby brains and skill set and knowledge to try things out and attempt new things. Um, I'm just... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to connect the dots here with what was presented in front of me in this game. And I can't see what I, I just. There are things, questions, and ideas here that are making me go, "What were you trying to do? Like, where's is it based on? If it's not, if there's not a strategy, is it based on the gut trust of the player? Is it based on that? Is it based on 
like, is there a strategy here around this? Because just it, it, trying to think about, well, if, if you're trying to win a game of rugby, having things like, you know, like... Yeah, I, I, I get it. But, but like what I've said, like, and I posted this, the Wallabies having shit discipline and no game smarts is not unique to Eddie, Eddie's reign. No. Like, it's almost baked in. Mm. That's a big fucking issue. How do you fix that? Either people don't know how to fix it, don't have the guts to fix it, or don't want to fix it. Mm. You know? Like, million dollar question. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, you look at Simon Rarell Louis from Manly. <laughs> you know, like, it, it's, 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 it's the system's fucking problem. We have the talent. David, David Nusifora doesn't want to come back. Mm. That's you right, know, he doesn't. He's said it probably about five times. Nathan, you can back me up on this. He's probably actually said it to you. Um, but it's like, it's just fucking, it seems fucking intractable. It seems above Eddie. I think when Eddie said, you know, journalists should give themselves uppercuts, I kind of took out of that is that you got to ask bigger questions, like more going on. Or it could be complete bullshit because it's Eddie. Um, but I, I don't know. That, that, that's, that's the fucking game plan. But you watch against Georgia, no one's saying, oh, what a good game plan. They keep kicking in the corner, keeping in the 30. I didn't see much people see that. I saw that, though. That's what they were trying to ping Georgia in. That was a game plan, for example, you know? Yeah. My, my question is, though, off, off the back of that, I mean, like, let, let's... Like, I, I, I did get Georgia a little bit. I mean, we called it last week. We called them first gear wallabies. They, they left the traffic. That was the opening match. They got out in first gear. And you could see what they were trying to do and where they were trying to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and which it made sense. Like, that, yes, it wasn't, we weren't, it wasn't a perfect performance, but I would happily take a win and a, dec- and a result that shows, that shows that sort of, okay, well, this is what it's going to start to look like over just haphazard slapped together sort of stuff um interesting on your point though in terms of like you know that whole side of things eddie's interaction with the media i actually have started you know again because i I watch eddie i've been watching eddie's press conferences as part of my goddamn job and maybe it's just maybe it's just because i'm in that jaded headspace right now when it comes to it because i'm i'm just of the proximity of that of it in relation to the nature of the work that we do but I, the last few weeks, during a lot of these press conferences, I actually think journos have been asking pretty common sense questions. And I'm not saying that as, as like, like, I actually do, do believe they're asking questions about, well, what's the strategy with this? What's the approach you're trying to do with this? Like, wh- what directions do you think the rugby is happening in? What have you learned? And what do you think you're trying to apply to the, to, to the, to, to, you know, what have you learned and what do you want to try and apply to this squad? And some of Eddie's responses, particularly in this last week, have been from standoffish to just a closed book. It's a one or two word answer. Um, how do you how do you work that? How do you like what? I mean, obviously he's playing his cards cards close to his chest, or, or he's trying to do something bold. But there's a fine line between being bold and being desperate. And I genuinely do not know the difference now. I do not know yeah. if he if he has a strategy or if he's actually out of ideas. I don't know. I um, let's ask uh, Nathan because Nathan, you're there. What's your kind yeah. of take on his Eddie's behaviour? Because he's very kind of sad in the press conference after the game, right? 
But let, let's we'll walk through the first sort of last three or four days. Um, Eddie leading into this game was in a we'll call it a bitter mood. I, I think a lot of it had to do with the Will Skelton um, injury, which we haven't touched on, but that was a huge loss to have him and Taniel Tufo sitting on the sidelines, which they will against Wales. Um, and was giving three-word answers, not much, fighting back at journalists, even though one of them may have asked a stupid question. Guilty. Um, like, and then, uh, but after the game on Sunday, it's, it's Eddie I've seen a couple of times. It was the, this is all my fault. I take full responsibility. I've gone for the younger team. I've gone this, this route. And yes, there's going to be, you know, the difference between their best and the worst is going to be a lot more, it's going to be a lot larger gap than you will against a more experienced team. But this is, this is what I thought, think is the best way forward. And I, we've got to live with that now. So that's, it's, and that, Eddie was, fair, I got to give him credit as well. He will, he will front Eddie. He will take it all on the chin. He will go forward. Like, you know, to, you know, the following day after the test, which was, I think, believed supposed to be an assistant coach to start with, Eddie puts his hand up and goes, no, no, I'll face the media again. Sure enough, you know, invites another 10 or 15 minutes of questions that, you know, might not have been asked to really kind of take all the, not take all the, the attention, but kind of shield his players and shield his coaches. When I, I will have the utmost respect for Eddie and, you know, the way he conducts himself in that regard, but, yeah, it's it's gonna be. I, I do get the sense now. Looking forward, looking to Wales, we're gonna get combative, Eddie. This is gonna be. He's gonna close the doors. This is gonna be all or nothing against Wales. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and fires a shot, Gatland. I, I think this is where we. This is Eddie firmly. You know, we, we, as you said in the past, it's been yeah, you know, all building nice. This is now real. This is gonna be. I think we're gonna get back to the wall, Eddie, and. Probably, probably get the best out of him this week in terms of a game plan, in terms of a performance at a press conference. I think, yeah, this is this is the week to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess we'll, we'll talk about Wales in a stick. Actually, probably should talk about Fiji before we talk about Wales. Um, but just just before we move on to, I guess Fiji, um, can you so the, can you just give a bit of insight into the Skelton thing? Um, so basically, Will Skelton was will he won't he play in the game and. It was all kind of weird. He was named in the team four hours before and then taken out, what I assume, immediately before the game. So, well, rugby regulations are that you have to you name a team two days beforehand and then you have to name an updated team, the, I believe, one hour before kickoff. So, essentially, what they were doing is, I, and no one will, will admit otherwise, but I believe they knew Will, will was out. You know, he walked into the ground in a moon boot. Eddie confirmed after the game he won't play against Wales. So it's more of a two-week injury than a, oh, we're racing the clock to be fit. But the reality is this is a World Cup, and you're not going to rule, as kind of Eddie rightly put it, you're not going to rule someone out 12 hours beforehand when you don't need to. You're going to keep playing this game. You're going to keep some kind of mind games, I'm guessing, or quite simply, not just engage in regulations you don't have to. If you don't have to rule someone out, why would you? Just keep them, keep that up your sleeve. Because the reality is the players and coaches would have known, you know, a day or two beforehand. So it wasn't mm-hmm. distracting them. They knew what was going on. You know, Dave Parecki would have known he was captain, um, you know, two days ago. So I think it was just, yeah, with the Will Scone thing, it was just follow. They saw the opportunity to just follow regulations and they did it without having to sort of be 
not overly nice about it, but not give away an advantage when I didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so I guess before you move on, we should probably talk about Fiji. Um, I thought, yeah, they played pretty well. They played to a game plan. Imagine getting eight out game planned by Fiji. Um, but um, I thought their, their, their scrum half he started was amazing. Vidraja was amazing. Uh, was it Levani Botia? Is that his name? Gun? Any kind of... Absolute boost. Yeah, yeah thoughts or additions to that. Yeah, he's great. I'd say um, Tris Sover at inside center was unreal. Like that yeah. was just just the, the perfect move to really match match the sort of power style that Australia's wanting to play. The no, I think that's that's part of the reality as well. Is we want to play power style, and nobody plays it better than Fiji. And they again just picked a perfect side for it. They had a lot of energy around the breakdown, which is it. That, that's a core skill. Those breakdown and scrum skills, those core skills have been developed playing for the drill and playing these consistent minutes. And we've got to give credit to how they've they've kind of grown as a team and grown as a nation. But yeah, they were, they. this is probably one of their best performances that, that they've had in the World Cup, maybe in their history. It was definitely since 2007 against Wales. It's up there as one of the biggest wins in probably World Cup history in general, I reckon. It's probably comparable to your your, your couple of Japan wins that have also come up over, the, like Japan beating Ireland um, and Japan uh, beating South Africa. I reckon it's 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 kind of a, a, starting to get up to that sort of level. Just because just they knew what to do and not, not that it, they, it was a beautiful balance of... The, the Fijian flair and ability to execute in broken play um, combined with a clear improvement at set piece um, and a clear discipline that uh, was extremely welcome. I mean, you only have to look at the penalty count. Um, usually, very often, Fiji are on the rough, the rough end of the stick when it comes to the penalty count. I think both matches... Uh, that they've played so far in this World Cup, they've conceded less than the opposition. They're disciplined. They know what to do. Um, their set piece in general holds up very well and is competitive. Um, they've got that base to launch that excellent attack. That is what makes them so dangerous. They're, it's clearly that the, the, the things that they needed to work on and that Fijian rugby has probably admitted that they needed to work on They've worked on, and they're paying the dividends for it. But they're paying. They're they they're, they're cashing in now, um, and it's it also helps by the fact that they've just had that Drua side, man. That Drua side together, you can just see that Drua spine just permeating through that team. Uh, your Frank Lamani coming in off the bench, working with with Teti Teller uh, in at Fly Half, who I have been keeping a watch on for a while, and I think he's I think a really exciting talent. Um, and, you know, it, it, so many good, exciting players. And, again, I was just really impressed with that Fijian scrum. Um, just great performance. You can't sometimes, all you can do is just tip your hat. Great performance. Yeah, um, great scrum. Actually, speaking of the scrum, I kind of felt the ref, you know, was so quick to call a penalty everywhere else with the scrum. He just <laughs> kind of let it collapse about five times. I don't, think, I, think any, I don't think any ref knows exactly what's going on in a scrum. It's too hard to tell. 
yeah, because they're never forwards. Um, yeah. Um, and also, of course, shout out to Sam and Errol Louis. He used to be Wallaby's forwards coach. For me, he kind of came out of nowhere when he came into that. But yeah, he's a manly boy, so I guess we can claim it. Channel 7 Olympic star. Um, so I guess let's move on to Wales. Uh, so Nathan, you've got the facts on you. This game's on in... When's it on next weekend? So it is... Um, Eastern Standard Eastern game? time. Pardon? Is it? Yeah, yeah no, go, go on, go on, go on. Um, yeah, East Coast Elite Time. I believe it is a 5 a.m. game on Monday. That's doable. Um, which is, yeah, one of the better ones. I think it is, in terms of time-wise, the best one out there. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, awesome. Um, and so Wales beat Portugal and they beat Fiji. Uh, we won't really get into that, that, that game at all. Um, but look, I, I don't know. They're kind of looking like crab juice. Um, Nathan, I guess you watched the Fiji game they played um, and the Portugal game too. Uh, what are your thoughts? I think the consistent theme is just doing enough. So they just did enough against Fiji to get the job done, even though, you know, Fiji were excellent that game for the last 15 minutes, just ran out of time. And we touched on the ref last week, so we don't have to go into that. Um, and in Portugal, this was a, they put out, I think, two or three players from the Fiji game backed up against Portugal, and they just did enough to get the bonus point. I think I scored after the, after the whistle. But it was a, as you said, very crab juice performance where they got outkicked by Portugal, just kicked the living darts out of it, which is nailing 50-22s from nowhere. It's a great no-look try that they scored off a line-out play. It's worth watching. But Wales just had enough kind of freakish talent and elite talent to get, get the job done. So... Whilst they're two from two, there hasn't really been a performance where you go, oh, this Wales team's legit or this Wales team is, you know, going to be a difficult task. Like, they're still coughing and and stuttering and trying to figure out their best style and their best system. So, this is more than a winnable game for the Wallabies this weekend. Yeah. um, Nick, I'll just go to you shortly, but just for the future of the pool... um, so Georgia and Portugal are going to play, um, I think, a day a day before um, Wales and Australia. Uh, last time they played, I think it might have been a draw. No. Or, or like a two-point loss to Portugal. So that would be a pretty tight game. Of course, they play in the European Rugby Championship, just like the Six Nations, but lower. And um, on the 30th of September, Fiji are playing Georgia. And last time they played, it was a draw. That Definitely, that's a, that's a fact there. So... And then, of course, Georgia will play Wales after. So it will be crazy. Um, and actually end, might end up being a really tight group. Um, there's a lot of people, especially weird Poms, saying that Georgia might get through. Um, because if the Poms like anything, it's patronising people. But, um, and nations. Um, but, yeah, um, exciting times, I guess, uh, going forward. I think uh, Wales needs... 14 points. I'm not sure, Nathan, you probably know the facts here. Um, 14 points to get through, and they're on 10. Yeah, essentially, uh, if Wales, Wales win against Australia, they're through. Um, from, from an Australian perspective, they need to... Uh, the, the ideal result is getting a bonus point and... Oh, oh, sorry, winning without Wales getting a bonus point. If, you can yeah. get a, if Australia can get a bonus point as well, perfect, they leap in. I think even if... Australia wins and Wales don't get a bonus point. 
I believe the first, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The first kind of deciding thing when like points are tied uh, is for and against. No, not for and against, is the head-to-head record. Mm-hmm. So even with a win and a Wales, um, Wales without a bonus point, Australia still leaps them. And it's just a case of whatever Wales do against Georgia, we've, we've just got a match against Portugal, which is, which is doable. So It's very doable. We, so I've actually got the tiebreakers in front of me, Nathan. Tiebreakers, that's what I'm looking for, yeah. All right, so there's six of them. One, the winner of the match in which the two tied teams have played each other shall be the higher ranked, so head-to-head. Yep. Head-to-head. Um, the team which has the best difference between points scored and points scored against in all matches. Then three, it would be the tries scored. Be the point of difference. Four, the team who has scored most points in all its matches so you know who who got the most points for the most tries for and then if that's still not that uh settled it's based on world rugby rankings which i think australia is fiji i think wales is above i think wales, wales is above australia now above us, i think fiji is fiji is above us now and i think wales no is above it us was too. the official world world rugby rankings on the 14th of october 2019 <laughs> that's yeah. it's so bizarre so <laughs> essentially, Fuck, that's stupid. <laughs> that's they, fucking stupid. <laughs> they've got us covered on two, three, four, and five. But the important thing is the first one. If we can beat them, all that goes out the window. We get, we have the tiebreaker, and we're set. Mm. Which I don't, I don't know how it would advance past. The, I don't know how you would get onto two, three, four, five, and six unless there's like a, a draw and. Well, if like it makes... if Wales beat Fiji, Fiji beat Australia, Australia beat Wales, all by the same score. Oh yeah, yeah and we're on the same points. Okay, that's no, how no, you no, that's how trying to work out, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's funny. Um, it would be actually kind of cool if we got to that stage. Um, uh, Nick, I'll just I guess I don't. Know, what do you think about Wales and Australia? If you got any other points? Well, mostly that I think I think Wales made quite a few changes for this Portugal game, which probably was a contributing factor to why they were so crab juice. Because I was noticing like there's no George North in there, and there's no, you know, uh, no Dan Bigger or any of those kind of other players in there as well. So I'm not viewing, I'm not, I'm kind of viewing the that Portugal performance just within the context of the wider squad, um, and kind of taking and just kind of taking it. Okay, it's all right, but the, the one positive I do see is is that. The same cohesion issues and, and strategies is the, the problems that Australia is dealing with, Wales is dealing with as well. I actually think Australia is pretty much the Wales of the Southern Hemisphere right now uh, in terms of just the problems that we're dealing with and, this, and the issues that we're dealing with and going back to a coach that we previously played, uh, that we previously uh, had asked politely to leave. So it's it's just... They're in a similar position to us. The, the, the big difference is that they were able to win against Fiji and we have not. So I, I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's a, I just, I'm filled with just, it's going to be a nervous week. It's going to be a nervous week just waiting for this match and just seeing what is served up to us next weekend. Let's talk about what else is going on. Any other kind of updates from the weekend? Um, so one for me is I watched Romania play South Africa. Romania were absolutely crap. Um, but that's about it for me. I mean, Nathan, I guess you're the one man on the ground. Uh, what I want to say is um, 
I've been liking how sort of competitive a lot of those outside of Romania and Namibia, those like emerging nations have been. You know, we started the week with Uruguay pushing France all the way. Like that, I thought that was a really good game. And yes, it was a second tier France side, but they still came out and put on a really good performance. Um, even, yeah, the way Portugal played on the weekend I thought was good. But, yeah, the rise of those second tiers and also the rise of those real contenders. You know, like you like your South Africans, you said. You know, Ireland looked really good against Tonga, setting up an unreal match um, Sunday Sunday morning in Paris when South Africa were taking on Ireland. Um, you know, New Zealand bounced back. Even England, it's nothing pretty, but they're... They've now got two pretty convincing wins over Argentina and Japan. And in a, you know, quarterfinal matchup where they could be playing Australia, they look like a really dangerous side. So that's what really stood out for me. Yeah, it'd be interesting, actually, if we, if we did get to play England, because Eddie would obviously know how they're playing. So Borthwick is being assistant underneath him. Um, so it'll be actually an interesting game. Hopefully it won't be crab juice. Well, we can't be crab juice to get to the finals. Um, Nick, do you have any um, kind of standouts from the rest of the game and actually a, a, a point i really want to get on to is performance of tier two such three nations mm. it's it's good you mentioned that um i think i think nathan's hit the nail on the head pretty well in terms of uh, how strong uruguay has been and how, how great they've been to watch um uh, in terms of that feat, that performance i i have in, in terms of my game coverage i have just kind of been keeping a note on how some of these teams have been going and i've been doing a lot of pool a and pool d games um, that all-black performance against um, uh, against against Namibia was a weird game. New Zealand did not play well at all, and yet they won seventy. It's it's a reflection of the opposition that they still won seventy-one to three. But even though uh, there was a claim that the All Blacks bounced back, I think it's fair to say that uh, the sort of mistakes that they were making would not fly if you were coming up against Ireland. Um, and so I am quite concerned about how the state of the All Blacks right now um, and how they're just missing something. They're missing something, uh, whatever it is. They, the rugby championship this year was where they peaked and I couldn't pick it, couldn't fall to and look at it at all. So just, yeah, they're, they're in a weird space right now. So it was a rough game, also not not so subtly due to the fact that LaRue Milan from Namibia snapped his ankle and it was a gnarly injury. Oh. Don't, whatever you do, don't try and find a replay of it. It is. Yeah, it, it was a it was gnarly to watch live. It was lovely to see everyone stop and 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 look after him and make sure he was okay. Um, but yeah, it was an it was a very nasty injury. I uh, um just speaking about Nathan saying don't look it up. Um, so there was a soccer player called Jabril Cisse who some guy got him in the back of his calf like with his studs and cracked his lower leg. Like, and it was like a like snap on a twig. And oh. then he came back from injury, and he was playing for France, and the same thing happened to him again. And it was oh. just like, it, yeah, watching those videos changed me. Oh, it was so <laughs> yeah. bad. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. Just so sorry, yeah, just because I, I heard about it. I was like, how bad could it be? And, oh. It was. It was bad. <laughs> um. So, in terms of tier two teams to watch, though, I mean, of course, I mean, we, we've talked about Fiji till the cows come home, but I was very impressed with how Samoa performed in their win over Chile, uh, winning by an even larger margin than Japan did um, when they played Chile. 
it's uh, which is why I think Pool D is so interesting right now. All of the stuff that's happening in there is so interesting. It is clear right now that Tonga. I mean, Tonga have only played one match so far, and it was against Ireland, and and that resulted in a fifty nine to sixteen loss. But you know, it's it's clear that 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 you know they're clearly tar- they're probably going to be targeting the likes of the Scotland. Uh, um, and Scotland, South Africa, Romania games, especially those Scotland and Romania ones. Um, so I, I reckon keep a very close watch on there. But Samoa, I think, are looking really dangerous in Pool D. And I think we talked about it in our predictor, but I do actually think that they're looking... They have it in them to knock off Japan. Because uh, I, I'm watching the Japan game earlier today where England eventually ran out. It was a great... It was actually quite a close contest until about the last 20 minutes where England scored three tries um, and winning 34-12. There is a... The Japan were able to match up physically, but just they, they, they ran out of steam at the end of that game. And I think Samoa have enough in the tank to pull us a, a win on over them and uh, and really cause a, a massive... Um, Cause them like really upset the apple cart in Pool D, and particularly considering they've got some tough games in them coming up against Argentina as well. Argentina's also in the mix for that too. I think Pool D is so interesting to watch right now, um, off the back of all of that. So keep your eyes posted on that one. Pool D is where the shit's at. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe shit, maybe a bit too literally there, but um. <laughs> Yeah, it's a funny one. Um, so I guess from my kind of perspective, like it's a... Um, so, yeah, Group A, which is New Zealand, France, Italy, Uruguay, and Namibia. I, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have been able to watch that Uruguay-France game. Um, it sounds amazing. Um, but it'll be interesting to see Uruguay play Italy and Namibia. I mean, this is my favourite part of the World Cups. Um, just seeing those the teams you never get to see and their passion... Um, I know, like, friend of the pod, Nick, uh, Nick Fitzner, um, was posting on Twitter about the Portuguese hooker. Every time he took the ball to do a line-out, just kind of would soak it in every time he, you know, he'd pick up that ball and just look towards the crowd. And that's what's so great about it, like, these guys who care about it. Like, here we are in Australia going, the, the finding difficulty, losing against a very good team. Meanwhile, there's people like the... Teams like Portugal will paying in uh, Europe's third division only five years ago. So, yeah, um, but on the other hand, Namibia and Romania are absolute trash. Um, and this is sad to see. Um, Nathan, got a question for you. Would you like to see a bowl? So the teams come third and fourth in a, each group. Play I've se- into, like, like sevens. I've seen people advocate for this. I'm not a fan. It's a World Cup. Like, there's no... I don't really see the point of having this sort of secondary tier. And, like, there's that, I, I feel like it, it's one of those rugby ideas of everyone says it's such a good idea. And, yeah, this is what we need to be doing. But the reality, if it was in reality, no one would watch it, no one would turn up to it, and you're just kind of looking at it, you'd probably be back to the circle of, wait, why are we doing these games? The reality is you don't need a bowl. You don't need a... The, the whole idea of a bowl and a plate is these guys aren't playing enough sort of games throughout a regular calendar. If you just sorted that out, make, made sure these Tier 2 nations were playing more games against each other and then playing further games against Tier 1 guys and really trying to bridge that gap, then there's no need for a plate or a bowl situation. Just make a, make a world rugby schedule, which is, you know, I think one of the joys of the first two weeks has been that kind of, that, that rise in 
people then realizing that we don't need this, you know, proposed 12 team national, you know, yearly calendar. You can still have, you you integrate tier two nations better and you integrate these teams into a proper global schedule. You will not only deliver some really entertaining matches, but you will just improve the standard of rugby better than, you know, a random one or two week bowl tournament every four years. I, I reckon it's a sick idea, personally. I love watching all these C2 nations play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it probably has to start with the Six Nations. But I'm saying, you inclusive. can do it. But do it yearly. Do, do like, give, give these guys more opportunities to play and not just a kind of throwaway, oh, you got eliminated. Like, imagine if we get knocked out by Wales and all of a sudden, you know, Australian teams, you know, sticking around playing against Samoa and all those guys. Would it be good for development? Sure, but that's the last thing they want to be doing after being eliminated from a World Cup. Like, just well, again, this whole thing is reactory because the fact that the schedule hasn't been done properly. Just do it properly in the first place, and we're set. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what if you said, look, if you win the bowl, then you qualify automatically, or you, I don't know, you get um, to be top pick in pots or something like that. I don't know. There's got to be some kind of... If you're going to do it, there has to be some incentive to it. I agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, this, it's, yeah, it's react. It's one of ones. Good, good kind of idea in theory. I don't know about practicality. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think it's cool. Um, I guess just before we go, um, again, Nathan, this is for you. Um, how's um, how's Rugby World Cup going? Tell us a bit more. Are you enjoying your time over in France? Uh, is there a vibe that we're not seeing through TV and, of course, your marvellous match reports? I will say the vibe that wasn't really picked up, particularly with the noise of the crowd, was just how many Australians were in Cincinnati. Like, you notice... I know, I'm know, like I'm in Lyon, which is, for context, about a 45-minute drive from Cincinnati. And even, you know, the Friday, Saturday before the game, you... Even around the hotel, there was a lot more Australian accents. And then on the day, you're seeing people in gold and Wallabies apparel. You then sort of make the trip down to the ground and there's people in Wallabies jerseys of all different vintages, you know, even some super clubs. You, you kind of get to the point um, of, you know, where the media tribune was in the stadium and you met with just, you know, I, I honestly thought there was more gold jerseys out there than, than Fijians when I like, first arrived. It was just something you didn't pick up on the um, on the screen. And then, by the looks of it, you know, crowds have got behind, like, Sinetti and teams, a little party area. You know, where I am in Leon, which hasn't hosted a game yet in this tournament, but there's, you know, the bars and pubs have, have all got, you know, the flags of, of every nation flying. You know, they're generally pretty packed when a game's on. Um, which, again, will only get bigger as the tournament kind of continues to ramp on and games actually played in this in this area but there's a really nice kind of atmosphere and buzz around it you know it's you know on like the games are on the top network there's a you know magazine show on every day it's like the real simple stuff that makes it feel like okay this is like a big tournament this is a big world cup yeah i kind of wish just from australia i wish there were games on it um obviously it works out for us because they've been on 5 a.m but games on during the week to get that World Cup feel, you know, the same way that the Olympics, it's just on. Um, I think we'll we'll get a bit more of that taste coming up because um, 
there's games starting. So there's games starting from Thursday Australia time, Wednesday um, France time. So there's only like a three day gap between games. So that will make it better. Mm-hmm. But definitely heading forward, if they want to, you know, you hear talk about them wanting to expand the World Cup, and if you do, that you know, having a twenty four team tournament, getting more of those games, as you said, during the midweek, will only make things a lot better. Because the reality is that. Fans are going to turn up regardless. It's not like, a, oh, we've got to make sure it's on a weekend because, you know, it's a school night and kids might not show up. Like, there's enough travelling Australians and what we've seen, enough travelling Irish and French. and oh, no, Not travelling French. I'm um, travelling like Kiwis and all those guys <laughs> that you can get away with having midweek games and still having stadiums packed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nick, question for you, riffing off what Nathan just said. If you had to expand the World Cup, how would you expand it? Uh, I mean, doesn't I think the the FIFA the FIFA way of doing it is that they have slots guaranteed for every like every single kind of part of the world. I think yeah, it's yeah. it's been noted that and they also have like a rapid charge kind of thing. Correct. Um, and I think you, you I mean, let's be honest here. And, you, and I think it was you that that made the point of like, yeah, well, USA and Canada. How can the USA and Canada not make it to the World Cup? You've got to have some sort of North American representation. That's just poor as fuck. So I think you'd have to have some sort of if you're going to do the Americas, Americas fill particular slots, or you have that way you can guarantee to have at least some team representing every part of the world. Well, the part. reason why North Americans didn't get in is because they have two America slots that aren't Argentina. So it's America, yeah. so it's North and South America. Yeah, and right and now South America's kicking charge. ass right now. Yeah, Yeah, and then they had the rapid charge. So Chile knocked out... So Uruguay, Uruguay got in, then Chile knocked out the U- US. Mm. And then I think the US... Canada got knocked out, and then the US didn't win the rapid charge. Because I think Romania... No, Tonga won it? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so go on. Go on, go on, go on. So, I mean, because if they're going to expand it by... If they're going to expand it by the amount that they say they are, so from, to 24 teams, um, realistically an extra slot into every, into every team or an, an extra pool... Um, you're probably going to have to make sure that if you're in the Americas, for example, there has to be a North American team that makes it or something like that. Or if there's, if you want to do it to the, expand it to the tier two nation, uh, to tier two African teams, for example, there's got to be one or two that guaranteed get in. So you can have the situation similar to what you get with like, say, you know, Argentina, even though it's, it's not a perfect example, but Argentina and Chile, for example, you've got, you have got the, you've, you've got those like, Intercontinental or the continental rivalries that can be quite special, um, but it also means that all parts of the of the of the of, of the world are, are represented in some way, shape, or form. Probably, you know, in, in a way that's kind of similar to, to the FIFA World Cup to the, the football World Cup. Okay, I reckon they should just add four more teams. So you have six groups of four. Uh, mm. One can be from Europe. One could be from the Americas. One from Asia or Africa. No, you have a rapid charge. So maybe two from maybe two from Europe, and then one from a rapid charge like they've got, or maybe two from the rapid charge. Hmm. Um, yeah, and then you can add a yeah. bowl thing. Well, add 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 four teams, and then if if like ideally, yeah, open up a spot for the Americas. I think maybe even open up an, an Asian spot. 
just throwing something out there. Just to, you know. Yeah, be like Hong Kong probably, or, or South Korea. Yeah, well, Hong Kong made that made that final qualifying tournament, so there's some quality there. And then, yeah, and then maybe another European spot because you know a team like Spain, once they stop playing South Africans, will actually be you know pretty competitive. <laughs> or Russia, for example. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was having this chat um, earlier this morning, um, but yeah, Spain's got a pretty good program. So they, so Uruguay won the under twenties trophy, which is the second division of the under twenties World Cup, and they. It was Uruguay, Spain, and like Scotland didn't make the final. I think is that correct? So um, it was Uruguay yeah. or Spain won the final. Spain, Spain won the final, and um, Scotland ended up making the third place. I think they ended up getting knocked off by Uruguay. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's amazing. That's a real big change there, and it would just be great to see. Um, yeah, that, that that kind of energy required because that's what you need in rugby. Like, it's so great to see places like Spain and Portugal coming through. Um, and you know, Russia was okay before. I mean, obviously they've been kicked out, and you know, it, it, it's 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 you know, they should be kicked out. But you know, they were a decent side too. But yeah, um, it'll be great to see that kind of expansion. I reckon. And, and people get behind it. I think that's the future of where we're sort of heading. Like, there's been enough, you're sort of circling back to that tier two talk. I think there's been enough competitiveness between your, yeah, your likes of your Uruguay's, your Chile's, Samoans of the world that have shown that now's the time. There's, there's an, it's not kind of, you know, we, I think we've been 20 for a while. I think there's enough depth, enough talent that, you know, we can do it, and it can be feasible without you know a hundred plus point defeats. Yeah, and 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 I mean it's not looking great so far. Definitely, last World Cup it was a lot more competitive. Um, like you know maybe you scored a try against New Zealand in the last World Cup. I'm pretty sure, or was it Georgia? Um, but yeah, absolutely. And I mean like Romania kind of Stephen Bradbury their way in, but um, yeah, cool. Um, I guess that's all from us, unless, you know, Nick or Nathan, you got any more thoughts? Uh, shout out to, I'll, I'll finish off by saying it's the casualty ward for this World Cup has been quite substantial. Um, not going to lie, there's been a lot of emissions. I mean, of course, we've got the Wallabies uh, one, but the other big one that stuck out to me is that Malcolm Marks is now out for the Springboks as well. So... Maybe uh, the the results that we might see after all these years of build-up um, uh, might be the fact of who gets to the finals with the least number of injuries and who do determines they call who wins. Up? And who, who do, do they, they call, call up? up? Yeah, because, I mean, I mean the French the French have lost a whole bunch of players. We've lost a whole bunch of players. Um, I know the South Africans have as well. Uh, maybe it's a case of whoever wins the actual tournament is the one who well, got to the grand final with the least number of people injured. Well, the answer to my own question is they caught up Andre Pollard. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Hattie's a good hooker. He's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, my, my final yeah, thoughts are, when we're, when we're recording this podcast in seven or eight days' time, I really hope we're sitting here talking about how nice it was to back up against, back, you know, come back against Wales and produce a victory that keeps the quarterfinals alive. Because I don't want to think about what the inverse is. Talking about why, <laughs> talking about why da- what the idea was kicking David Rennie out. 
<laughs> we'll save that rant for if oh, we lose. <laughs> actually, yeah. I mean, that was on my list, and I forgot to bring it up. Um, I think I, let's say I that reckon can, that if, can be. It's a it's a next week one. If if we know for certain that okay. that, that the okay. team is out, it's a next week rant. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna be a bit greedy here. So I've got two things. One is I don't think Nick White should play next weekend. Thank God Tate's coming back. Um, any thoughts on that thought? Yeah, he was too slow. He's a good finisher. He's a good finisher, but he's a good finisher, but I don't think he's a good starter. I think they should have started. I thought it would have been a bold call, but I thought just Isaac finds the Liawasa was it would have been a better starter for this get for the Fiji match. Um, I think it just naturally played into that style a bit. I'd back him to pl- probably start against Wales. He probably would lean into that a little bit more with his strategy and approach. Tate will but, be back, but Tate will be back. So I think if yeah. if, you, if I had to pick between the two, I'd go for Tate. And the other thing is, and I want to nip this in the fucking bud, Len Ikatao, Nathan, correct me if I'm wrong about what I'm going to say, fucked up his shoulder. It was considerable injury. He probably still wouldn't be fit. Stop asking where he is. He was injured. If someone gets injured, he'll come back. Nathan, am I wrong? You're wrong. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> he's, he's fit. The word the word I, I got told was a, scap- a broken scapula is a six to eight week injury, which would have had him fit in time for the Georgia game. Right. But does fit just mean not injured anymore? Fit means available to play. Okay. Okay. Well, he didn't get picked, and people ask him where he is, and I'm like, well, he's injured. He's not injured. Well, he was. My, injured. My he was injured in the lead up. He was injured in the lead up, yes, but he's not now. Okay. Would you say if someone was to be injured um, in the Wallabies camp, he would be high on the list of being recalled? I'd hope so. Yes. Okay. Would you? Would you know? Would you have confidence in what that kind of list looks like? Obviously, you know. Like, let's say a prop gets injured, a prop get caught up. We're not going to do the old Mark, Malcolm Marks, Andre Pollard swap, but do you have uh, like a list? It's, it's Eddie. It's Eddie. Who knows? Um, like my, if I had to make a list, I would assume the Australia, the um, Barbarians team would be up there, given the, just the proximity. Mm-hmm. Who'd so be your one, two, three? Like, who I would call up or who yeah, I think Eddie would call up? Uh, you, you would like, like to call up. I would call up um, Lenny Kattau, Michael Hooper, um, Pete Samu. Nick, would that be your Bad list? Valley. Yeah, pretty much nailed it. Either that my maybe swapping out. Um, yeah, actually, no, Samu would probably, like, the only other one I'd probably even have for contention might be Quay Cooper. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. And um, in case all of these don't win, let's go for a second team, Samoa. Come on, Samoa. Let's go. Yeah, I think that's a really silly question. You know, rugby's a game of 15 players on the, on the field. When we're attacking, we're attacking weak defenders. We're looking for weak defenders. Why would we run at the strongest defenders? So if Martin's there and, and sorry, what's your name? Nick, and Nick's there, we're not going to run to Martin, are we? <laughs> Guys, can you just send my best wishes to Warren? Make sure he enjoys the third and fourth playoff. <laughs>